listening to Europe's number one pro wrestling podcast. Set no substitutes. Bringing you the best in pro wrestling interviews, news, and opinions with Mr. Stevie Knight. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Second Away. It's nighttime with me, Youngie. I am doing your introduction today, along with Steve Knight. Hello, Steve. How you doing? I'm well. How are you? Yeah, we're good. Thank you very much. Um, I think it'd be a miss for us not to kind of quickly mention, and we won't dwell on it too much, but um, Shad Gaspard, um, an incredibly uh, sad story, unfortunately. Um both me and Steve are parents. Um, forgetting all the wrestling stuff aside, um, he um, did something that any parent would do, and uh, God bless him. God bless him. Yes, very, very sad, but a uh, bit of a hero as well. Yeah, absolutely. But we crack on and we move on with the show. Uh, good evening, everybody, and thank you for everyone who gave us amazing feedback once again on our chat with Doug Williams last week. Um Doug, well, Doug is Doug. We love him to bits. He's an absolute ambassador of British wrestling, and you lot feel the same. So uh, thank you very much for sharing, subscribing, all of them kind of thing. The good stuff that we ask you to do every single week, uh, including on our Twitter page, at Seconds Away Pod, including subscribing on all your podcast mediums. We appreciate that. Because um, today we have a bit of announcement about a new medium that we are coming on. And uh, the word might be out by now, by the time this comes out. Uh, but we are now affiliated with Hooked on Wrestling. www.hookedonwrestling.co.uk, I believe, is the website. So basically, um, not only can you get your pods from the normal um, outlets, but now as well, um, we are on the Hooked on Network um, there's a series of podcasts on there. I believe Hooked On have got their own podcast, which is a really, really good listen with Paul Benson and Rob McNichol. And they talk every week about um, different topics. The greatest in wrestling could be ladder matches. They just pick a topic and they talk about it and you can get involved. And also as well, a podcast that I find particularly good and very, very funny is Because WCW. If you're a fan of WCW, simply what they do every week, Dean A.S. and Liam Happ, uh, they listen to, or sorry, they watch an old episode of WCW. It could be a pay-per-view, a TV show, and they go through it and they review it. And it's very, very funny. And they talk about kind of all what's happened to the people involved, they, the downfall of WCW. Very, very good listening. So we're very, very pleased to join that network. And you can even, whilst you're listening, browse their website as well, because there is a facility on the website to listen to us whilst browsing how good is that ladies and gentlemen how good is that are we still on we're still on gosh that was amazing you just gave out so much information that was amazing i thought i, I thought you didn't need me anymore no well i'm, I'm done yeah you know that, that's it now let's let's chat steve now that was amazing thank you and it's very exciting to be on there as well hopefully uh, we'll get a lot more subscribers and more people will listen and it's all very exciting uh, yeah, we're, we're um, a new podcast and um, we're hoping to organically gain subscribers as people listen and pass the word around that they're enjoying it. And people do enjoy it. I've had um, a lot of good feedback from every everyone we've done. People seem to be enjoying it. Yes, absolutely. We, the feedback we're getting is lovely. And we respect that there is a lot of podcasts in the world right now. We're competing with a lot of names. But if you can just keep on giving us the good word, fighting the good fight, we'll get there. We will take the Giants on. We are the underdogs and we will overcome. We shall not be moved, Big Daddy used to say. Our guest today, I would argue, the biggest name we've had so far, certainly in terms of career, and the things they've done and the years they've been involved in the business. Um, a gentleman, a lot of you will know, Tony St. Clair. Um, he's had a gigantic career. But if you didn't start watching wrestling until 2010, A, you're probably not listening to this anyway. Um, and B, go back and watch some matches from Tony St. Clair because he's just a craftsman in wrestling. He's awesome. Um, he's been wrestling for 50 years 50 years and you know if you think oh he's never been to japan yes he has yes he has he's been all around the world um and you'll get all that information um from listening to tony and you know they've even took him back to japan and honored him 
as a Japanese legend. It's uh, just even for me and Youngie, just listening to him talking, it's fascinating the things that he's done. Yeah, absolutely. He, he, in the Japanese career alone, nearly 20 years working for New Japan Pro Wrestling. How many wrestlers who are not Japanese can say that they've been going to Japan for that long for the same company, for the biggest company in Japan? Uh, also very instrumental in helping a lot of the British lads get to Germany. He's a big star himself in Germany, now lives over there, was on World of Sport. He's done everything. He's even worked for WWF, technically. He's done everything. Yes, yeah, it's going to be good. I think I think a lot of people will really enjoy this because it's uh, it goes through a lot of different time periods, a lot of different time periods from the sixties right through to modern days. It's, it's uh, pretty fascinating stuff. Yeah, and then this kind of brings us on, to, like I said, to topic of the week, and we've talked kind of a, a few bits. And not, the, the topic of the week tends to be funny stories and things, but this week, Steve, I wanted to chat to you about kind of firstly the the, the people that you remember watching from on TV that you then got a chance to work with. Um, maybe not in the ring, but certainly be on shows with, get advice from. So, like, when when you first started, who were the people you were starstruck by and who were the people you got a chance to kind of actually get in there with? Uh, quite a lot of them, to be honest. Uh, I started uh, just coming... Well, it was 91, but it was literally nearly 92. Um, and the world of sport had gone off TV in 88. Um, and a lot of those guys were still wrestling. So, um, the people that I looked up to and watched on world of sport, uh, were Marty Jones and Danny boy Collins, uh, big daddy obviously was someone that was on there a lot. Giant haystacks, just, you know, loads of them. Absolutely. Loads. Steve gray, Johnny Saint, Johnny kid, uh, tens and tens of them. I was also a big American wrestling fan as well, but I wasn't going to bump into them at my local hall shows. Um, but literally um, within six months of starting wrestling, uh, I was in the changing rooms with all these guys who I'd seen on TV uh, three or four years previous. Um, and etiquette, which we spoke about before, was a big thing. Um, you kind of kept your mouth shut and waited for them to speak to you. Um, but uh, I remember the first time sat in a changing room uh, with Giant Haystacks because, and you know, he was huge. He was genuinely just the biggest man you will ever see in your entire life. Uh, and he scared the living daylights. But what a nice man. What a really nice man. Uh, and I remember sitting there and there was him. There was School Murphy. I can't think who else was in the changing room, but there was, I just remember those two particularly. Oh, Marty Jones was in there as well. And it's just frightening, absolutely frightening to be in the changing rooms of those people. Uh, but uh, who I wrestled from the world of sport, uh, Drew McDonald, wrestled him lots of times, Johnny Kidd, Johnny Sane, uh, Marty Jones, Danny Collins, loads, loads and loads and loads of them. So who did any of them ever take you under your wing and help you along, or, or were they very dismissive of you? Um, some were and some were not. Uh, Danny Collins was always very nice to me. Uh, I wouldn't say he took me under his wing, but he, he was um, more helpful than not helpful. Uh, Drew McDonald was, was always very, very nice as well. Um, there was a time when me and Drew got on really, really well. Uh, he would come through to Grimsby. Um, I remember him sitting, <laughs> was when I lived with my mother, and I remember him and Ian Harrison, who was like one of the biggest men in the world, muscular-wise. He was a pro bodybuilder. And they were in my mother's house, sat on the sofa. Drew McDonald, who was like 23 stone, and Ian Harrison, who was like 22 stone of muscle. And I was just a young kid. I was like 18, 19. And my mum comes in. She sees these two gigantic men sat there. And Drew's like, hello, petal. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so, when, when I think back, it was just so funny. Um, but uh, yeah, they were they were a kind of a, a, Danny Collins was nice, Drew was nice. Uh, there were others that was, were not particularly helpful, uh, but it, it's kind of passed by. I don't, I don't even remember to be honest with you. And some of them were bullies, you know. Some of them were out and out bullies, to be honest with you. If you could pick one uh, that you you work with at that time, um, who would be the who would be the one that you'd want to work with every night? Um, Johnny Kidd. Johnny Kidd's uh, just great. I worked with Johnny Kidd. I only worked with him twice. 
um, and I worked with him at Hull Beach, and I was I was the the heel, uh, and it was just so easy. I said I, I didn't know what he'd do bump wise, uh, because it, I'd just seen him doing the wrestling matches, the Mister Smooth wrestling matches, uh, so I didn't know what he'd take bump wise, and he was awesome. He just did everything, and it was so easy, and it was just this great little match, and the crowd were just they just hated me. I remember thinking, God, that was great. It was so, so great. I just wanted to do it again. Um, so, yeah, Johnny Kidd, he's, and, and, and I would imagine he's still just as good now because he never ages. No, he doesn't. He is, he is an absolute ageless man. Um, I suppose we better give a quick plug because they do mention us um, to the Doing the Rounds podcast with Josh Faulkner because uh, Steve but, has been bigged up, bigged up on that podcast several re- times. Really? Who by? Yes, uh, by Phil Powers. Phil Powers was bigging you up on there. Yeah, if you want to hear more about Johnny Kidd, uh, doing the rounds podcast with Josh Faulkner, he snuck in and got Johnny Kidd just before we were going to interview him. But it's all right because uh, I really like that podcast. So do check that one out as well. Doing the rounds with Josh Faulkner. He also had had Mal Sanders on the week before, which was brilliant. So check that podcast out as well. Yeah, Mal Sanders was fantastic. He was a really, really good guest. Yeah, it's well worth a listen. Uh, don't think the, the It's Not Shane Ritchie podcast uh, with Carl Conroy. We mentioned it last week. But this week, he bigged up our podcast with the Tetris theme from the 90s. You remember the 90s dance song, Tetris? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, he plugged our podcast whilst playing the Tetris song in the background. So, uh, oh, really? Actually, not only did he big us up, but he actually gave us a song. So we've massively enjoyed this conversation, so we hope you do too. Our guest this evening, Tony St. Clair. So seconds away, it's night time. Uh, a very esteemed guest. Uh, very much looking forward to this one. And I know all the folks over on the World of Sport notice boards, uh, and very much everywhere, if you've been a wrestling fan, looking forward to this one. Mr. Tony St. Clair joining me from Germany on the line. Good afternoon, Tony. Hello. Nice to speak to you, Steve. Lovely to speak to you. I know that you are held in very much high regard by a lot of my friends, James Mason, Doug Williams. Uh, they, uh, When I told them I was speaking to you, they spoke in, in glowing terms. <laughs> yeah, I, I go back a long way long long way with both of them and uh when wherever i was involved in wrestling promotions in germany those were the first two that i put on my list great guys definitely yeah, enough. And yeah. They, they they've kept the british style going as well exactly yeah, yeah. So also on the line, uh, you won't know Youngie. He's he's a bit young, Youngie. He's got he's Youngie in his last name as well, but he's also quite young. I think he's only thirty six. He's just a wee nipper. Oh say hello, God, yes. Say hello to Mister Saint Clair, Youngie. Uh, good evening, Tony, and thank you so much for joining us. Um, I, I I first saw you, I think, watching the old Ringmaster show on Eurosport, which was the. Um, like the new Japan stuff, which was translated into English. So I'm really, really excited to talk to you today, Tony. Great. Nice to speak to you. Wonderful. Right. Well, we'll go right back to the beginning then, Tony. I know that your dad um, was involved with wrestling and not just wrestling. He seemed to be an all-round sportsman. That's right. Yeah, he played uh, rugby uh, as an amateur and professional. Uh, He was... He was capped for England as a professional, uh, apart from wrestling, amateur, Cornish wrestling. He was seven times in a row Cornish champion. And, uh, yeah, he's my hero. Absolutely, yeah. God, what what an athlete. Uh, What exactly is Cornish wrestling? Cornish wrestling is uh, a form of catch. Uh, it's with they they wear a, a jacket and it's standing only, nothing on the floor, and you have to throw your opponent and both either both his shoulders and one hip, or both his hips and one shoulder have got to touch the ground simultaneously for a win. Right, okay. So no submissions or anything? No, no, no. 
Oh, okay. And was this something that you was taught as well? No, 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 no. I I grew up most of my life in Manchester. Uh, went regularly to Cornwall, but no, I was never involved in Cornish wrestling. Because you've got a brother as well involved That's in right. wrestling. Yeah. That's right, Roy, yes. And is he your elder brother? He certainly is, yes, six years. Six years, your elder. And mm. your dad also, uh, from reading up on Wikipedia, he was involved in the very first televised wrestling match, it says, on the internet. Yes, he was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think against Mike Barino, I'm not, not 100% sure. That's what it says, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, he, he, before, he was also, before wrestling... He was he boxed as well professionally, oh. and and he he wrestled at the London Palladium before the war years. So he, he sounds like a guy not to be messed with. <laughs> no, no, no. God, when when we had the the pub in Manchester, uh, if there's any anybody uh, stupid enough to insult him, they they got. Uh, a quick exit. <laughs> <laughs> so when when did you, uh, Tony, decide that you wanted to kind of step into your father's footsteps? What when did it click for you? Uh, to be honest, my my first love was soccer, oh, okay. and uh, I when I was fifteen. I got the chance to go as a apprentice to Manchester United, and I took the chance, and I was there two seasons. But in the end, I wasn't good enough, to be honest. Who who was at United at the time then? When because these I'm guessing we would be close to the era of kind of Charlton and Best and that kind of era. That's they they were in the the first team squad. Yes, uh, I. I was involved with uh, Johnny Aston Jr., uh, Brian Kidd, yeah. uh, Jimmy Ryan, people like that, David Sadler, and I, I was a goalkeeper, so Harry Gregg trained me, Yeah, and uh, he, he was a fabulous personality, Harry. Yeah, absolutely, and, and what a team that kind of '60s United team ended up being as well. And, and so, uh, yeah. I mean, you must have, you must have been a decent standard to uh, even get close to being being with United at that point in time. I, to be honest, I I was fighting it out with uh, a goalkeeper who went on to play for United first team, Arsenal, and England, Jimmy Rimmer. So uh, uh, only mild competition then. Only yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, so he he won and I lost and uh, I, I wasn't prepared to take second place, so uh, I moved on. <laughs> so where did pro wrestling come into this? Did you start? How old was you when you started training to be a pro wrestler? Sixteen. I'd I'd, I'd wrestled uh, from being. A, a baby with my father and Roy and uh, but seriously I started to train for professional wrestling when I was 16 and had my first match at 18 and did your brother and your father let you know about kayfabe early on or did you not find out about that until you really got involved with the job uh, I, I didn't know uh, till just before I, I started. <laughs> so the training was fun then? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and uh, the people that helped me, Colin Joinson came regularly. We, we trained at, at uh, Wrighton Stadium in Bolton. Uh -huh. And uh, <clears throat> Colin came regularly and helped me. Uh, Pete Roberts, who was trained my, by my father as well, he came every weekend, so I was I was and Terry Downs, a very old pro from the the fifties. Uh, he helped train me as well. 
So I, I was well looked after. Yeah, some great old pros. And you were yeah. quite you were quite big for the UK scene then. How tall are you? Uh, I was six six foot one. But I've shrunk about an inch by now. <laughs> and you made your de- debut. Did you start with joints? Yes, I did. Yeah, uh, my my first match was for uh, Jack, Jack Atherton in Cone by uh, by Blackburn, and my first match was against Johnny Eagles. Okay, and that would have been in the the mid sixties kind That's of era. Right. Yeah, sixty seven, I think. Sixty seven. Yeah. So what was what was the UK scene like in the mid sixties? What were the crowds like? Was the TV then? Was the TV wrestling at that point? Uh, it, t- wrestling was on TV. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was on a, a, a little bit of a down at, at the early parts of the sixties, and then the late sixties, seventies. It, it got really popular. It goes in in circles. Every ten or fifteen years, it has a, a, a pause when it it goes down, and then a couple of years later, it goes up again. But that, that's the way it is, you know. Did you automatically become a pro then, Tony, or was you uh, working at the same time, or was you full on to the job and straight on the road? Uh, I, I was to uh, earn, earn a living. I. I Worked at my parents' pub uh, as a waiter while I was training, and uh, then then when I uh, turned pro wrestling, uh, I stopped that and I was full full on the the road. And you were doing a lot of tag matches with your brother Roy, the Magnificent Saints, I believe he was called. That's uh, was, right. Yeah. Was tag wrestling popular at that time, or was? Oh yeah. yeah, 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 very, very popular. Yeah. Who were some of the other tag teams that you were working against a lot during that time? Uh, Hell's Angels, uh, the Black Diamonds were great opponents of us. Uh, the Danger Men, Colin Johnson, Steve Haggerty, uh, Mick McManus, and Steve Logan. Course, they, yeah. they were they were and uh, when we wrestled with two other babyface wrestlers with Bert and Vic, we wrestled a lot of times. Yeah, I love Vic Faulkner. One of my favourites, Vic Faulkner. Yes, terrific. Yeah. yeah. And then you branched off into singles matches and in 1977 defeated Gwyn Davis to win your first championship, the British Heavyweight Championship. You held that for more than a year. Who were some of your favourite singles opponents around this time in the mid, in like the mid seventies, moving into the eighties? So many, Uh, yeah. Yeah, there there really were. Um, with with the regards to the heavyweight championship, the the main opponents I had in that cause were Pat Roach, Wayne Bridges, Pete Roberts, uh, Mal Kirk, Haystacks. Uh, but I, I was also involved in in duels with Mark Rollerball and Marty Jones. Uh huh. Even though they were lighter than me I, I i could wrestle at light heavyweight and heavyweight yeah tell me about mark rocco he's a, a good friend of yours is he my best friend yeah really he's your best yeah. friend so yeah. tell me tell me some uh, stories about mark rocco he's he's my absolute hero mark rocco so uh really tell, tell me yeah my, my absolute favorite wrestler of all time tell me when you met mark and tell me some good uh, mark rocco stories uh, when I met Mark, I, I think I was about six or seven. Wow. And he, he, he was two or three at that time. Uh, the, the first time that uh, he came to my birthday party, <clears throat> I think I was about 10 or 11. <laughs> uh, and Mark came, he, he was about six or seven, and stole the show doing a, a magic 
trick. Uh, he he bought he, he'd been bought a a mad magician's uh, set where they they did different things uh, magical wires and uh, Mark Mark stole the show, <laughs> which 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 was normal for Mark. <laughs> He's terrific, absolutely terrific. Yeah, but like I say, he's been my friend for at least 60, 65 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. 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 Right, moving back then. Uh, now, this I found this very interesting. When you lost uh, the heavyweight belt, you lost it to giant haystacks, I believe. That's right, yeah. How did you find working with uh, a younger Haystacks back in the day? Uh, he was a, a lot more movable in younger days. Uh, the same as Andre the Giant, who, who was young. When he was younger, he was like 30 stone. And uh, Haystacks, I, I think, was about 20, 23 stones when I first met him and uh, he, he could move towards the end unfortunately he couldn't and uh, but that's that's the way it goes you know with with very big men when they start getting more weight on the they're, they're knackered yeah yeah just um you mentioned um Andre there as well because obviously Andre came to England in the what, the sixties seventies. So yeah. you, you you would I, I take it you would have known him from from that era onwards. <laughs> my my brother Roy had met him in France and said, "When you come into England, come and stay with us at the the pub, the Welcome Inn in Rushholm." So one day, Roy said, oh, uh, I've got uh, Andre coming. He's going to stay with us. And my mother said, okay. Huh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she said to me, will you move in with Roy in Roy's bedroom and let Andre have yours? So I said, yeah, okay. When he came, I couldn't believe it. He, he was a genuine seven feet tall. So we had to put two chairs at the end of his bed for his feet. And the first, the first morning that he came down for breakfast, my mother looked at him and she couldn't believe it. <laughs> so she, she said, can I make you breakfast? He, he didn't speak very much English, practically zero at that time. And uh, she said, breakfast, he didn't know what she meant. So she said to me, what shall I make him? I said, make him a couple of bacon sandwiches. <laughs> she, she ended up making eight bacon sandwiches. <laughs> and I, I said, what do you want to drink? Tea, coffee? No, no. Beer, blonde. So light, bitter or lager. So for his breakfast the first, the first day, for, for his breakfast the first day, he had seven or eight bacon sandwiches and six or seven pints of bitter. <laughs> And that's when um, he was. That's when he was younger, and his his drinking tales are legendary, aren't they? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when he when he left left Manchester or left left us at the pub, and uh, he went to uh, Cal Calgary first of all, and I never saw him again for about for oh, twelve twelve thirteen years. And uh, then in Japan, the promoter asked me if I would 
like to be on the same trips as Andre. So I said, yeah, great. I've not, not seen him for, for years. And uh, so they flew me to Tokyo and they had a press conference the the first day we arrived. And Andre was already in the press conference when I entered. And he started crying. And uh, our, our friendship kicked off again. And uh, whenever he wanted to see me, he'd tell the Japanese people to book, book me on the same trip. So it's good for me and good for him. And but in in at the end, it was sad to to see him. Yeah, yeah. His body gave out on him, didn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Now, Japan is somewhere you went a lot of times. First went in nineteen seventy nine. Do you know how many trips you made to Japan? I, uh, I exact no, but I think over twenty. Right. Okay. And you'd have been there in the real boom period of the 80s when, like you say, Andre, um, Hulk Hogan, I must presume you'd have been on tours with him as well, uh, yeah, and all, and all on, these guys. I was on one tour where it was uh, New Japan against uh, WWE. And uh, Hogan was there, Jimmy Snooker, Andre, Dick Murdoch, Adrian Adonis, Pedro Morales was even on it. <coughs> so, yeah, I had, I had some good trips. And how did you find the style in Japan? Hard. You enjoyed, yeah, hard. Oh, yeah, yeah. As in yeah. St- a lot stiffer or just a, uh, a lot? The, the first time I went, I, I literally died on my, my feet because... I didn't take enough of the match. And in Japan, if you don't take it, nobody's going to give you anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I I didn't go again for three years. They, they, basically, they, they weren't very impressed the first show, first, first time I went. And so the next time I went... Dick Murdoch said to me, when you hit them, hit them and don't let them eat you up. And that's what I did. And uh, they they liked my style and I I loved Japan. At, At one point, I even thought about going to live there after I stopped. Mm. Nice. Uh, did, did you pick up speaking some of the language? No, not really. <laughs> uh, yes and no. Uh, a few major words, yes. I could I could uh, tell the taxi driver to turn left and right or straight on and uh, restaurants, but fluid conversation, no. Difficult, isn't it? Difficult yeah, language. Yeah, yeah. Now, while while you were there, did you um, meet any other British wrestlers that were at the same time as you in Japan? Uh, I, I was on a a trip with Steve Casey. Uh, he he was also wrestling for New Japan. Uh, I met with Colin Johnson when he was there. Oh, did Colin uh, Johnson go? Did he? Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. Colin went as as well five or six or maybe seven or eight times. I don't know. He he was well respected as well. Uh, Tommy and and Davey Boy Smith, the, the Bulldogs, uh, they were working for a different promotion, but we got together a couple of times. I think that's all from English. Now um, I was when we interviewed Chick Cullen. He said you were the first big name to really leave joints and go over to All Star. Um, how did that come about? I don't. I don't know whether I was the first big name. Uh, Adrian Street had gone before me. Okay. John Quinn had, had gone just a couple of weeks before me. That that's that's how I 
I went because I I heard John Quinn right. was was going, and uh, I had a, a dispute with Max, or not with Max, with his brother Brian. Uh, easy done. He exactly, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I I phoned Orig Williams and Brian uh, Brian Dixon. I I left joints. But uh, there, there were other than names, big names that had already gone before me. Okay, Youngie, do you want to go on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when when you went to All Star, then you took the belt with you, didn't you? Um, yeah. Was there ever any kind of problems with that at all? Because obviously that's that's a big deal taking a promotions belt with you. No, I. I said to Max quite openly, uh, I told him what I wanted not to, to go, which was practically double the wages that I was getting at the time. <clears throat> and uh, he said, I can't pay you that. I said, okay, I'm going. I said, do you want me to go straight away? Or do you want me to see the the next next month out? Because joint joint contract was a month in advance. So I said it's up to you whether you want me to honour the contract. I'll do it with pleasure. So he said yes, I'd, I'd appreciate that. And I said okay, but I'll tell you now, if you put me on TV and tell me to lose. I won't do it. And I'm not going to defend a championship before I leave. So he's, he understood. And uh, he said, OK, thank, thank you for agreeing to at least see the next four or five weeks out. And that's what, what I did. Very honourable. And you lost that belt while you was in All-Star to Nagasaki, uh, I believe. How did you enjoy working with Nagas? Um, how did you get on with him outside the ring? Uh, I had no problem either in or out of the ring. I've, I've heard people that he threw them out of the dressing rooms. Well, he, he never did with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's not daft, I would think, yeah. And... Uh, I, I had no problems whatsoever with him. Have you seen him now? He's done all his uh, book and all his unmasking and everything else yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good look to him. Yeah, yeah. I tried. I did ask him if he'd come on, but uh, he wasn't having it. So no, he would have been a good guest, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think so as well. Now, also around this time, you was wrestling a very young Dave Fit Finley. Was it uh, obvious that Finley was a star in the making at this point? Yeah, definitely. The, do you know how he got to wrestle for Max Trabtree? I don't know. I, I used to call Max, even after I'd left and I was working for Brian and Orig. I used to call Max every Sunday. And uh, Princess Paula had said to me when we were in the Isle of Man that Dave wasn't getting enough work off Orig and Brian and he was talking about going back to Ireland. And he'd been involved, he was, he'd been involved in the British military and the IRA were threatening to murder him. And she asked me if I could speak to Max to to book Dave, and that's what I did, and that that's how Dave got to joint promotions. My God, another 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 hell of a worker, hell of a worker. The best. Yeah, the best. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I would think that um, being out in Germany all those years that you've been there, you probably. Worked with him hundreds of times in Germany. Oh, oh God, yeah. We, we, we had the first cage match in uh, Germany, in Hanover, with Dave and I. 
and uh, the the tent was sold out. We 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 did I think ten years of return, return, return <laughs> with cage matches, ladder matches, chain matches, street fights, every kind of fight you could imagine. <laughs> Now, Germany is obviously somewhere you've spent a lot of your career, certainly in the last 20, 25 years. Um, Germany is somewhere that's always fascinated me. Years and years ago, about um, 18 years ago, I sent you a picture to try and get booked, but I was was just too small. I was like 13 and a half, 14 stones. I know it's mainly for big guys and things, but I tried. I tried. Yeah. And... there's so many Americans um, and Japanese and people that have been out to Germany. Um, and the list of people that you've wrestled that are just, you know, either got on to be famous or the one that intrigues me are people that have just been brought into Germany they, that are already, um, you know, superstars. Um, yeah. Uh, it's just absolutely amazing. Off the top of your head, can you think of some of the great big names that have been brought into Germany for you to work with? Well, uh, Jimmy Snooker was one that that was brought in to do a championship against me in Hanover. Uh, but for me personally, uh, I can't think of any others. The The people that that I had a big influence on were people like Vader, who uh-huh. I helped, helped train, and Scott Hall. Uh, when when I was working for Otto Vance after Nico Solenkovic had, had finished, Otto wanted connections to Japan and America. Didn't want connections, but he wanted somebody to book wrestlers for him. So I got the job in Japan, and I I booked uh, Chris Benoit for Otto. I booked uh, Eddie Guerrero, the, the the Japanese people that came for Otto. I uh-huh. booked them all. Chono, uh, Nishimura, all of them were seen by me and booked in the name of uh, Otto and CWA. Wow. And that's uh, over. So, they, so were you, if you remember the old Eurosport show that used to be on? Yeah. Um, were you involved with that? No. No, that was a different thing? Yes. Okay. Okay, because I, I remember Owen Hart used to be on there as well, and Chris yeah, yeah. That, and well, well, that 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 was the the Eurosport was uh, Orig Williams, Otto Vance, and Peter Williams from Germany. Orig Williams from Wales. The the the, the French one, I, I can't remember his name. They were all involved in the Eurosport wrestling. So it it was filmed in France, and the wrestlers came from France, Germany, when they were in the tournaments, and England uh, used to send a car load. We took a car load from Germany, and then the rest were French and Belgium. Right, okay, okay. That's where you got your Flash Gordons and your people but like he, that. He, Flash Gordons was the other... Uh, promoter. Ah, okay, right, okay, yeah, yeah. right, right, okay. I get it. I get it. Sense now, yeah. So yeah, I, I'm just looking down this list that I have here of of people that have been out to Germany, and then now you you've saying that um, you being the booker, the the list is just absolutely amazing uh, of people that have been out there. Uh, what about Robbie Brookside? He did very well in Germany, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That that was mainly down to Dave fin- Finley. I I was also involved with uh, Doc Dean. When oh, he, I love, he, love Doc, yeah. Yeah, I did. And uh, Peter Williams wanted an opponent for me in Hanover and then the return in Bremen. 
I, I recommended Doc, B, Doc Dean for, for that spot. He was a terrific worker. I, I worked with him a lot in the 90s, and he was a great, very easy to work with, and, and, yeah. and yeah. A, a great lad out the ring as well. Really nice. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, really nice guy. Now, yeah. I, I worked a few shows with you. Uh, I yeah. was like bottom of, bottom of the card. Uh, did a few for All Star with you, and you really beefed up in the nineties, didn't you? Where where, yeah. where 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 did this body come from all of a sudden? <laughs> I opened my own gym in right. in real in real. Uh, my my partner at the time, Tina Starr, who I married, she was bodybuilding. I got into it big time. Yeah, I remember because I remember I'd, I'd seen you on TV, like on old tapes and things. And I saw you at the show, and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Changes, doesn't it? Yeah, I need, I need to do that. I could do we're doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty impressive feat, though, when you were third, what thirty years into your career at that point, and you're in the best shape you've ever been. So credit to you, Tony, because that's fantastic. So, um, in, in in kind of the peak of you going to Germany and Japan. What, how many days a year were you working? Because I, I'm guessing you would have been splitting your time between Japan, Germany, the UK. Was you doing like the Middle Eastern tours and Africa and places like that as well? Oh, yeah. 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 I, I don't know how many uh, matches I had a year, but I would say at least 320. Wow. Wow. At least. I, I, can, I can remember one February when I, I wrestled 30 times in, in February. In a 28-day month? Yes. Wow, unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Yeah, so and, you... and, and, and before that, uh, when I first started with the Butlin's camps, you, you could wrestle 40 times a month. Yeah. That, that, that was why England had the best wrestlers because they were wrestling two and three times a day sometimes. There's nothing, there's nothing better than practice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. God, if you think how many matches you must have had over your career, it must be 10,000 or something along yeah. those lines. Uh, yeah, e Easily. Yeah. 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 Oh, God. Right, we've got some fan questions that have come in. Uh, okay. Tony, this is a, I, I like this question. This is from uh, Admiral Baron. Uh, he'd be interested to know about the 1971. So we've got to get our thinking brains on uh, yeah. Warwick, Warrington promotion that was run yeah. by Ted Betley. Yeah. Uh, he said that you wrestled Steve Wright on a show. Yeah. Uh, Ted Betley trained Dynamite Kid. Uh, yeah. There's hardly any information on him on the internet. And, and he'd love to get some information about Ted Betley and if you remember the show. I remember the show very well because Ted lived in near Warrington. For some reason, he wasn't very popular at Riley's gym. So he opened his own. And he trained Davy Boy Smith, Dynamite. Steve Wright was his first. Uh, Bernie Wright was also trained by Ted and as Steve was his first <clears throat> Ted wanted him to obviously to, to do well uh, so I was billed with Steve at Altrincham by, by which time I was living in Altrincham and we had a great match and T Ted came up to me afterwards and said, uh, I want you to wrestle Steve for a championship match. I can't remember which championship it was, uh, junior, middleweight, or something like that. A belt that nobody had heard of it, heard of. I think Ted invented it himself. <laughs> uh, as <laughs> happens in wrestling, Especially now. Exactly. And uh, so, yeah, I, I went and uh, we wrestled, I, I think, 12, 12 rounds. And, uh, Steve beat me. And then he was champion. 
but like I say, they they announced me as being the champion, and Steve was apparently the winner, so he took the belt off me. But I'd never been a champion in <laughs> middleweight. <laughs> but that that was Ted. Yeah, but he he was a a, a super trainer. And uh, a really, really, really nice man. Did Steve Steve Wright ended up living in Germany? Did he? Yes, he's still there in Nuremberg. Yeah. Uh, Alex, his son, uh, runs a training school for wrestling. Yeah, I thought he did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Another question. Question from an old school punter. This one. Uh, uh, I don't know about this one. Uh, could you tell me about the matches you had for WWF in the early 90s with other British wrestlers? I think this was for the tours that they did. I think it was like a six-man tag that you and a load of other guys did. Uh, uh, what, what was your impression of WWF at that point? And did they offer any of you a job? No, not not that, not at that point. Uh, in fact, they, they never did a tour with me. <laughs> but it's no surprise. I, I didn't want to work for them. Okay. Uh, in England, yes, uh, because they treat us as like shit. Yeah. We were just there. It, all they wanted it was to get their work visas for England, for U United Kingdom, because they couldn't get work permits unless they had some English wrestlers on the shows. Right. Okay. So that, that was why through Oreg they booked five or six of us. And uh, I, I was against Sam Horner, I think his name was, uh, in London on, on a, a, a show. And it was a, what they called a dark match. Yeah. yeah, and uh, with with the thoughts of booking me for uh, WWF, and uh, Pat Patterson came into his restroom and said, "You go over, Tony, uh, but uh, you work villain." And I said, "What? <laughs> this this." Six or seven thousand people in at least three thousand will know me from English shows, and I, I'm not going to work villain against anybody. Not not just for a one-off, and so he wasn't very pleased. Uh, but like I say, I I, I was never interested. In going to America, I, I had a couple of offers. Uh, WCW phoned me up and wanted to uh, work on the tour of England in view to booking me for America, and I said, "I'm sorry, I can't." Uh, why? And I said, "Well, I go to Japan the day before." I said, and on top of that, I'm not interested hmm. in going to in in going to America. I I can understand all those that did, but I was married in England. I had a son, and I didn't want to spend that amount of time. I was happy in Japan, four or five weeks. Germany tournaments half the year. And then working for Oregon, Brian, before that, Max. Uh, but to stay in, you, you got to understand, for America to want you to go there, you've got to stay at least three or four years. Yeah. If, they're, if they're going to spend the time and money building you into a national TV character, then you've got to stay. And I, I wasn't prepared. It's good to hear. I mean, you, you, hear, you hear so many people, like, it's the be-all and end-all. Um, but as you were saying, you've, you've got a life here. 
and you're busy and you're doing the German tournaments, Japan, and you're working here. Why do you why do you need to go? It's 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 not yeah. the be all and end all, is it? No. There, there was one there was one point where Andre uh, we were in Japan, and it it was the the time that the uh, WWF were in conjunction with New Japan. So Vince flew over with all his top men. And that night, Andre and I were tag partners on the TV show against, I think, Sagaguchi and another one I can't think of the name. Andre introduced me to Vince McMahon Jr. before the match. Andre had already talked to me. His idea was that, that I was going to be the long-lost cousin for Roddy Piper. <laughs> uh, because Andre said I could talk with the Scottish accent. <laughs> uh, and uh, so he introduced me to Vince before our match. And we went in the ring and it was hot summer evening. It's about 30 degrees in the ring. We were sweating like pigs. And we came out and I sat down in the dressing room. Andre sat next to me. And Vince McMahon came up to me in all seriousness. And he said, did you see Andre in that tag match? Yeah. <laughs> really? In all seriousness? And I, I, my answer was, I should effing well think so. I was his team partner. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I think that that was the end of of Andre's dream of me being uh, Roddy, Roddy Piper's team partner. <laughs> oh dear, nothing like being overlooked, is there? Oh dear. Oh, great. That's a good one. Yeah. Oh. Well, so that's why we didn't see you there. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, dear. Right, oh, right, okay. A uh, couple more then, Tony. Uh, this week's been a hot topic on Twitter. Uh, BT Sport, who have now taken over WWE, apparently, uh, oh. they, put out, they put out a tweet asking, who would be on the Mount Rushmore of British wrestling? Now, Youngie, I believe this is like the top five performers of all time, isn't it? Yes, mm. yeah, basically. So, yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot, Tony. Yes. Who would be your top five British performers of all overall British performers of all time? Well, I, I already answered the question on Facebook. Oh, did you? Okay. Yes. Uh, my answer, although it was for four, not five, my, my four were Adrian Street. Yeah, George Kidd, Dynamite. Yeah, and Mark. Yeah, yeah. That's a fine selection. I fine think. list. Yeah, a fine list. Can't can't knock any of those. I've I've never seen George Kidd though. I have to be honest. He um, was yeah. he was magic. Yeah, he was magic. I've never seen him. He's a bit before my time. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I've never seen any TV footage of him either. I've never, never he, seen he, it. He so. didn't. He didn't do very much TVs. He didn't. He didn't want to go on. Is was he in very much in the Johnny Saint um, mold? No, Johnny was in George Kidd's. Mold. Yes, sorry, the other that, way around. That, yes. that, yes. that, 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 that's that's what Johnny Saint copied. Nick's didn't copy it, but that's what he focused yes, his show sure. on. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'll have to but try and have a look for him, check him out. I I once saw him do a match with Jimmy Hussey. Now, yeah. now George Kidd was small. As small as Mick McMichael. Jimmy Hussey was 18 stone in desperation that somebody never turned up so they had to put the match on so george said how are we going to do this with with the, the weight difference and the size difference and uh, jimmy Huzzy said we'll make it the first 
to five falls. And I'll give you three to start. So you've only got, got to get two, and I've got to get five. I've never seen an atmosphere in my life. Never. The crowd was stood on the rafters. Pure magic. <laughs> that, that was that, that was George. He was tremendous. And, and that says a lot to the considering how many shows you have seen over the years. So to say to say that you've never seen a crowd like it, that's a, a glowing testament indeed, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Last question then, Tony. Um, what is your involvement with wrestling now? I, I look on your Facebook. You still seem to be uh, meeting up with people, still seem to be at shows. What What is your involvement nowadays? Uh, Non-active. Um, I, I was involved in the German promotion up until two years ago. Uh, I advise different promotions, uh, but actually going and I don't give seminars anymore because I, I've had both my hips operated on now. So I, I'm just a fan now. Okay. And I, I went to see, last show I went to in Germany was uh, to see Dougie, Doug's retirement show. Sure, yeah. And, and James was also on the show. So that, that was uh, enough to make me buy a ticket. I I four tickets. Really? I, I yeah, I wouldn't ask the promoter. Uh so I, I bought the four tickets. First time I've ever paid to see a wrestling show. Wow. That that's that it. was for that was for Doug, his retirement match. Oh well that's saying so that's a, that's that's a feather in Doug's cap. I bet does, does he know that? Yes, he does. He yeah. does. That's a lovely story. Yeah, that's a lovely thing. When did you actually um, hang up the tights from active wrestling? I my retirement match was, I think, two thousand and two. Then I had a, a couple of legend matches, uh, and then two thousand and four, I did a, a legends tour in Japan, which was incredible. On, on the tour, the, the let the the foreigners for the uh, the legends tour were the Funks, Terry and Dory, Bob Backlund, right, uh, yep. Steve uh, Steve Kern, yeah, and me, six six or seven of us, and me to be involved with such a a team was the highlight of my career. Wow. Well, Japan certainly um, holds their legends in high regard, and I think that's lovely. Yeah. I, I went one time after, uh, and I I did a, one match uh, against ta- uh, Tanahashi, who is known in England, uh, and then I refereed uh, Nishimura against Baz Rutan. Uh, shoot. Match. Wow, really? Yeah, I love yeah. Baz Rutan. Yeah. 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 I, I refereed the, the match between him and Nishimura. <clears throat> and then I was booked again for 2006 and two months before I had a stroke. So yeah. that, was, that was the end of the career. Oh, oh wow! Okay, yeah. have you have you recovered from that? Yeah, yeah. My my speech sometimes I I get stuck for words, and my my right side is eighty five ninety percent the use. I've I've lost ten percent strength and use of the right side, but. Apart from that, I'm great. Excellent, excellent. Well, yeah. it, it's been awesome to talk to you, Tony. Absolutely brilliant. Youngie, are you are you happy with everything there? Have you got anything oh, to yeah. ask? Yeah, yeah, no, totally happy. 
Absolutely superb, mate. There's there's so much we could go at, but uh, we, yeah, yeah. you've kind of got to. When you've been doing it fifty years, you know it's um you got to you got to kind of skip over the surface a little bit. So yeah, um, yeah. Now that that's absolutely just, just one thing before I want to say is Japan. My seventieth birthday two years ago, they invited me in Japan, and uh, Nishimura took care of me like I was his, his brother. And uh, if, if Nishimura hears this somewhere, thank you very, very much for looking after me. Well, so it's, it sounds like you've, you've made some lifelong friends in wrestling. Yes. And that's yes. good, because they say if you, if you get out and you've got five good friends, you're doing well. It sounds like you've, you've, you've made more than that, but... Um, it sounds like you've held your head up high in in the job, so that's um, that's another good thing. So, uh, like I say, uh, the, the guys that I speak to of my age range always speak very highly of you. So, um, well done, Tony, on an absolutely amazing career. Thank you very very much. Great to speak to you. Hope that everybody that listens to it is pleased. Till the next time. Definitely, we will check in with you again. Okie doke. You're always welcome. So, British wrestling royalty, Tony St. Clair, thank you very much for coming on the show. Over an hour of great chat, uh, and we'll catch up with him again at some point, I'm sure. Uh, don't forget to join us on all the usual social media channels. They can be found where, Youngie? They can be found on Twitter, at Seconds Away Pod. They can be found on Facebook as well. You can just type in Seconds Away. It's night time. And also our new partner, we are part of the Hooked on Wrestling Network. Their website is hookedonwrestling.co.uk. All the news from the latest news in wrestling, the podcasts that are available on the network, features as well. Get yourself, they do live quizzes, all sorts of stuff. Get yourself on there because we are part of the family. It's going to be good. I reckon it's going to be really great being involved with that. If you go on to Anchor, Anchor FM, Anchor, I said, Anchor FM, um, and do a search for Seconds Away, you'll find us on there. All the links for the social media are on there. And there's also a magic little button that says Send Message. And you can click that and you can send us a voice message, which we will play out on the show. Uh, so if you've got a question for us or want to get involved in any way, shape or form, just go on there, click send message and we'll we'll uh, we'll play it out next week. If you do it in the medium of a rapper and you oh. can rhyme the whole message, uh, you've got more chance of getting on. Very much so. Very, very much so. Especially if you do it to the Ice Ice Baby tune. Yes, in, in, so, in, absolutely. Bit of under pressure in the background. Yeah. I think we're talking rubbish. You better go. Be seeing you. Seeing you.